0: There it is. A win for the ages.
1: This is All-American, a new series from Stitcher.
0: You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind.
1: And this season, we're asking.
2: What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong?
1: Season one of All-American premieres August 20th. Subscribe or favorite now.
3: I don't remember a ton about sixth grade. I remember memorizing lots of poems for Mrs. Brown's class. I remember Mr. Marciano thinking my name was Hildegard and me being too shy to correct him. I remember playing light as a feather, stiff as a board at sleepover parties. And I remember a song that came out that winter.
2: Same no matter time no place. They don't understand that us kids are gonna make some mistakes. So do you other kids all across the land? There's no need to argue, parents just don't understand.
3: Just like every other kid all across the land in nineteen eighty-eight, I felt this song. Yes, Will Smith. Parents do not understand. They don't understand why I need Sebago shoes, why I need to tie the ends of the laces into tight little coils. They don't understand why I need to wear my backpack on just one shoulder, no matter how heavy it is, or why I prefer tuning out the world with my Walkman over talking to anyone. Parents just don't understand. A truer sentence had never been spoken or rapped. This is The Longest Shortest Time, I'm Hillary Frank, and guys, after 219 shows, this one is our last. Normally, this is where I'd give you a clue on what today's show is about, but I really want to keep this one a surprise. Let's just say it's a special episode inspired by The Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. So grab a beverage, maybe a snack, cozy up someplace where we can hang out together and celebrate nine years of heartwarming, tear-jerking, and utterly absurd stories about parenthood and family. Just a note, there is some cursing in this episode and some talk about the Tooth Fairy, so you might not want to listen with your kids, which makes for a more relaxing party anyway, right? Okay, let's go. We're going to get back to Will Smith in a minute, but first I want to tell you about something that happened this past summer. I was at Penn Station in New York, and I stopped to buy lunch at the food court. The guy in front of me was arguing with the cashier. Turned out this place only took cards, and the dude only had cash. They went back and forth a couple of times. Really? No cash? Yes, really. Unless... The cashier looked at me unless you pay for him and he gives you the cash. I was like, all right, sure. I paid for both of our lunches. The guy took out a pouch stuffed to the gills with cash, started digging around. There weren't many small bills and I had no change. Fine, he said, I guess I'll give you my $2 bills. I'll get more, it's fine. He gave me three of them and a 10. Altogether, it was like a dollar too much. It's fine, he said. Keep the change. I reminded him I had no cash. I said it's fine, he repeated. (laughs) Always nice to do a favor for a stranger and get a guilt trip, right? I walked away, wondering what you even do with $2 bills. Do you keep them? Spend them? On what? Not just anything. It's got to be something special. Great. Now on top of the guilt trip... I also felt like I had an assignment from this passive-aggressive stranger. Flash forward about a month, and I'm sitting in my living room with my husband and our nine-year-old daughter. I can't remember why, but we have a sudden, urgent need to show Sasha the parents just don't understand video. My husband pulls it up on YouTube, plays it on our TV. I remember
2: one year my mom took me school shopping, it was me, my brother, my mom, my pop and my little sister all hopped in the car. We headed downtown to the gallery mall.
3: By the way, this is one of my very favorite things about being a parent, sharing music and movies and books that I loved when I was a kid. Like that jittery feeling you get when you're starting to date someone, except better because you don't have to worry they might leave you if they don't like your taste. My
2: mom started bugging with the clothes she chose. I didn't say nothing in words. I just turned to my nose. She said, what's wrong? This shirt costs $20. I said, is plaid with a butterfly collar. Okay, so
3: we're watching the video, and Sasha is into it. She's laughing at the mom's questionable fashion choices: zip sneakers, bell-bottom, bell-bottom Brady Bunch trousers, double-knit knit, reversible slacks. Sasha's never even heard of the Brady Bunch, but one thing's clear: this mom does not understand.
2: Okay, here's the situation: my parents went away on. Or-
3: now, I don't know the last time you heard this song. For me, it may have been middle school. I did not remember exactly what happened in that vacation situation. I mean, I remembered the Porsche. I'll just
2: cruise around the neighborhood.
3: I remembered Will taking the keys. Yeah, of course I should. Driving without a license, picking up a girl.
2: She said, drive fast, speed turns me on. She put her hand on my knee. I put my foot on the gas. We almost got whiplash. I took off so fast. My roof was open me was high and this girl's hand was suddenly moving up my thigh she had opened up three buttons on her shirt so far i guess that's why i didn't notice that police car
3: okay yeah it was all coming back but i'm sure in 1988 this part totally went over my 11-year-old head and this probably did too
2: come to the girl was a 12-year-old runaway
3: wait the girl was 12 that part i totally forgot I guess my husband did, too, because we shot each other looks over Sasha's head like, what is happening in this song? We let the rest of the video play through Will's arrest, through his parents leaving their vacation early to bail him out, and definitely not understanding. At the end of the video, Sasha said something like, good beat, then ran outside to do cartwheels or whatever. But Jonathan and I were still kind of freaking out. Will Smith— our childhood hero, suddenly felt like, well, I guess like what the 12-year-old girl calls him in the song while being lured to his car.
2: You could be some deranged
3: this song has only two verses. In the first one, the parents don't understand teen fashion. In the second, they don't understand their son kidnapping a child. That is a crazy big leap, with just a little to bridge the gap. So I'm saying all this to Jonathan, and suddenly something, I guess, incredibly obvious dawns on me. Oh, we're the parents now. We're no longer the misunderstood. We're the ones who misunderstand. And it's true. I spend so much time as a parent not understanding. When Sasha was a baby, I didn't understand why she wouldn't latch when I tried to breastfeed her. A couple years ago, I didn't understand why she was selling crumpled up bits of paper to other kids at camp for a dollar a pop. And I don't understand why Sasha, after being alive for nine years, still thinks I want to see the chewed up food in her mouth. It feels like every day there's something new I don't understand. Even Will Smith just doesn't understand now that he's a parent. All right, sit down. I mean, stand up. Okay, I'm, I'm really confused by the direction I'm the director, do what I say This is from a video on Will's YouTube channel It's a bunch of outtakes strung together Of Will directing his son Jaden for a bottled water commercial Here are some of my favorite moments
2: What's up, I'm Jaden Smith, co-founder on your of mark. Just Water Jay, No,
3: be on your mark Uh huh. Look at the camera Here we go
2: Yeah. Right. I founded Just at 11, inspired by the desire to better our planet Now say it like a regular person 82% of every Just Wait pilot. for the airplane. Wow. I thought we got a permit for this, and we told airplanes to not fly. And I want to say thank you for supporting Just. No, not a was rap video. Too, was that not too a rap excited? Video. And I want to say thank you for supporting Just.
3: I want to say thank you for supporting Just. Perfect. I think we got it. Wow. That was easy. Will titled the video, This is Why You Can't Work With Family proving that more than three decades after Parents Just Don't Understand dropped, Will Smith is still writing titles that speak to me. Anyway, this is a universal thing, right? Feeling so often like we don't get our kids. Except, sometimes we do. A few weeks after we watched Parents Just Don't Understand, Sasha and I were having breakfast. We had bought freshly baked scones. The tops were perfectly browned and crunchy. Sasha bit into hers, and she screamed. She opened her mouth. It was a little bloody. The scone had made her wiggly tooth even wigglier. And what happened next is one of the most memorable moments I've had as a parent, and maybe in my life. Sasha looked straight into my eyes. She was crying a little. She still had a little blood and scone in her mouth. And she looked at me, and she said, Will you still pay me? And for you guys, without knowing the whole context, without being Sasha's parent, that question maybe won't mean so much to you. But I am Sasha's parent, and I knew exactly what she was asking. Her question had nothing to do with the scone or the blood. A week or two earlier, Sasha had figured out the truth about the tooth fairy. And I understood that when she asked if I'd still pay her, what she was really asking is, will you still let me be a kid, even though I've lost some of my innocence? It was kind of heartbreaking, actually. I grabbed her hand. Of course I'll pay you, I told her. Yes, 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 of course I will. When the tooth came out a few days later, I waited till she fell asleep, and I went into her room. I didn't try hard to be sneaky. I didn't write a note from a mysterious fairy named Expindly. I just lifted Sasha's pillow, and I left her three $2 bills. When we come back, more parents who sometimes understand. For now, here's something to chew on.
4: Would you rather eat the Empire State Building or eat a hundred buses?
3: We're back, and we've got a treat for you. So you know how I was talking about how sometimes I have these moments where I feel like I'm totally seeing eye to eye with my daughter? Well, the longest, shortest time is not really about me. It's about our guests and all the many different ways that they're raising humans. We've caught up with some of them already in this season, but that wasn't enough. We wanted you to hear more voices from Longest Shortest Episodes past, so we invited a bunch of them to record themselves talking about moments when they felt in sync with their kids. We're going to play you some of our favorites, spanning the entire run of our show. We'll start with actor and comedian W. Kamau Bell.
5: You may remember me from the Longest Shortest Time episode where I asked my mom to tell me about her sex life, episode number 88. It won an award.
3: Kamau has three daughters. One's eight, one's five, and the youngest is 16 months. Kamau travels a lot for his TV show, United Shades of America. So when he's home, he likes to make special alone time for each of his older girls, Sammy and Juno, so they can connect one-on-one, do something special just for them.
5: So a few weeks ago, I was like, Juno, let's do Juno data time. We went to go have pizza at our favorite pizza place. And then we went to our favorite bookstore, half Price books in Berkeley. Then we went and had gelato at our favorite gelato place. And then we went to a movie uh, and the movie Abominable was out. So we went and saw Abominable. And that was special Juno Data Time. So when I got home that night, Sammy was like, What'd you guys do today? And I told her, and she's like, When are we gonna have special Sammy Data time? And I was like, "Uh," it turned out we could do it the next day. And Sammy said, I want to do the same things you did with Juno. So we went to the bookstore. I saw Abominable two days in a row. I had Gelato two days in a row. And what I learned is that kids will tell you what they need. And sometimes they need special time. And sometimes they also need to know that their sibling isn't getting more than them. So they want to do the exact same things.
1: It's Amy Choi from episode 124.
3: Amy co-hosts a podcast called Mashup Americans. On her episode, we talked about raising kids when you and your partner come from different cultures.
1: Um, I would say that the time that my kids and I At least one of my kids and I really understood each other. I'd actually come home from like a kind of intense therapy session, and my therapist and I had been talking about, you know, asking yourself the question, like, what really makes you happy? And thinking about that for a while. And she suggested asking it to everybody in my family, too. So came home, and I asked my three year old, what makes you happy? And she was like, Candy, candy, and candy. (laughs) So then I asked my six year old, hey, what makes you happy? And he turned and he gazed into my face and he said, you do mommy. And I, of course, immediately started crying and weeping. And I realized that I think both of us in that moment just recognized that what made us happy was being together and each other. That's it. That's my schmoopy, how my kids and I f- had a moment of clarity, and understood each other, and also candy.
6: Hey guys, it's Dan Pashman from the Sporkful Podcast. You may remember me from such Longest Shortest Time episodes as number 34, The Parent's Guide to Eating Over the Sink. Oh, back in 2014, we were so young. And then there was number 52, Booze Emergency, 63, 83, 165, 176. And now, let's see, um, a time that I understood my kids so one day, Emily, my six-and-a-half-year-old, is flipping out in her room trying to get dressed. She's trying to get her socks on, and she's screaming and, like, pounding the floor. She's like, it's not working. I can't get—it's not right. It's not—it's uh, ah. And I went in. I said, what's the problem? She said, this part of the sock gets all bunched up here. And Janie, my wife, had heard this, and she was kind of like, Emily, get over it. Come on, get your socks on. We're going to go to school. But I heard Emily say that, and I understood When I was a kid, I was one of those kids who like, I couldn't wear wool sweaters because they were too itchy. I hated tags in my t-shirts. My mom had to cut all the tags out. And I especially hated it when the seam on my sock went across the tips of my toes instead of over the tops of my toes. It would drive me bananas. And so I fixed it for her. And actually, over time now, that's become one of my go-to roles. And I even created an alter ego, a character, that I inhabit when I'm helping Emily with her socks. His name is Dr. Sock. Oh, you need some help from Dr. Sock. Indeed, I will help you. I am an expert in socks. I know exactly what to do to fix this problem. You know, someday she'll figure out how to fix her own sock seams. And then she's going to kick old dad to the curb. So, until then, Dr. Sock is here to save the day.
7: Hey, this is Franny from episode number
3: 75. In Franny's episode, she uprooted her life in New York City to move to a farm in Alabama with her then-boyfriend, now-husband. When Franny got pregnant, she had a strong image of what mothering on a farm would be like.
7: I imagine that I would be like a warrior woman out in the garden, baby slung on my back, just spilling my milk on the soil, fertilizing the garden with my womanhood.
3: Instead, she was nursing her baby Eversole and bottle-feeding piglets every three hours and pigs are really squirmy, and they're like,
7: and like squiggling all over the place until you can get the thing in their mouth, and they realize that that's what you're trying to do. So there's milk squirting out of my engorged nipple, and there's milk squirting out of the bulb syringe, and I'm like,
3: how did I get to this? Franny and her husband still live on the farm, now with three kids. Lately, she's been reading them one of her favorite books, which just happens to be about a farm, Charlotte's Web. And when I
7: was in college and high school, I was, like, obsessed with quoting different lines from Charlotte's Web, uh, usually, like, when drinking, because I just thought it was hilarious to quote it and then have people try to guess what movie it was from, which, surprisingly, most people don't. And my particular favorite was anything by The Goose or The Gander. My most favorite being double T-double E-double R-double R-double I-double double, e, double, e, double, double, double I-double double double C-C-C. That's how you spell terrific. And so I've been reading Shred's Web, and, you know, doing all the different voices for all the characters. And the other night I asked soul who his favorite character was. And without missing a beat and without knowing any of my connection to the story, he was like the goose. And I, you know, asked him why he liked the goose. And he just said she's funny and she's always trying to stir up trouble. And that was when... I knew he was really my son.
8: Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Deval.
7: And Kadeen Ellis.
8: From the Deadass Podcast, of course.
7: And we are from episode 202, where we
9: told the origin story of the sitcom reality TV show we made about ourselves.
8: And as you know, we have three boys, Uh Jackson, Cairo, and Cass. I remember one point in particular where I realized the type of person Jackson was. Hmm. This is when Jackson was three. And Jackson was in the back room, and he was eating Skittles. And I said, listen, you can only eat three Skittles. (laughs) And he said, okay. So I left. I come back. All the Skittles are gone. So I said, yo, didn't I tell you that you couldn't eat all the Skittles? He said, yes, you did. But I also know that I can eat the Skittles. I just got to deal with the consequences.
2: (laughs) At three years old.
8: And I was seriously like, what? Who says that at three?
9: Who says consequences and uses it in context?
8: But then I remembered that, remember I I was doing all the mentoring at the gym and I always tell the kids at the end of every session, if you're late tomorrow, there will be consequences and repercussions. So he's heard (laughs) me say this three times a day for his entire life as he used to come to the gym. So I said, oh, so you understand consequences? Okay, fine. Now you can't watch TV and you have to sit in the dark. And he said, Okay. So he's sitting in the room, no TV, and I'm sitting out there in the living room. And Kay is just like, are you going to go get him? I said, he has to learn. Like, I don't know if he knows yet. I
9: know. I'm always the one to take them out of time out first. But I was like, you know what? This is not my battle today.
8: So now we're sitting out there for about 30 minutes. And I go back in there. I said, do you understand what happened? He said, yes. I said, are you going to apologize? He said, no. So then I left. I said, Kay, I think I'm losing. <laughs> I think I'm losing. She's like, what do you mean? I said, I can't get him to admit that he was wrong. Because I realized that he was willing to do whatever it is he wanted to do and willing to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I stopped punishing him for small things. I just knew that, you know what? He's going to do what he wants to do. He's going to have to learn on his own.
3: Sounds a lot like you. Me? <laughs> that's me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's me. Okay, our next clip comes from Kristen Watucky. Kristen is blind, and in episode 163, she talked about being worried that she'd have trouble bonding with her son Langston without being able to see him smile. But Kristen got creative. She made little audio recordings of Langston when she bathed him, when she read to him and played with him, all the times he was happy. She calls those recordings sound smiles. She's done that with her second child, too, a boy named Noor, and her third, a daughter named Karuna. Karuna.
5: I sent, the longest, shortest time, um, a sound smile from Karuna when she was about nine months old. I was ba. sort of imitating her. So she would sing some notes and I would sing back to her. And, you know, I don't really understand her a lot. Of the time because she's a baby and I sort of have to guess what she's thinking. But I think in that moment, we clicked and had a nonverbal, but certainly vocal moment of understanding and mother-baby connection that I'm really happy to have a recording of it to look back on for all of the difficult moments of misunderstanding that are going to follow.
0: (laughs) This is Peggy Otter.
5: This is Andrew.
3: Peggy and Andrew are from episode 70. The story they told in that show had one of the most surprising reveals in Longest Shortest Time history, and I'm going to spoil it for you right now, so if you don't want to hear it, just fast forward through the next, like, 30 seconds. Okay, the story they told me was about the day that Andrew took their son Elias to the doctor to be tested for autism, and it turned out that Elias did have autism, but so did Andrew. Then Andrew had to call Peggy and tell her the news about both of them. It was hard news for her to hear, but also everything kind of snapped into focus. She had known Andrew since middle school, and he'd always struggled with expressing his emotions, just like their son, Elias.
5: So sitting down with him and trying to talk one-on-one to try to get him to express himself, to explain how he feels is very difficult.
0: So we recently put him in a dance class, and his entire body, head to toe, is just completely involved in expressing his emotions. Uh, lots of jazz hands. Lots of stomping when he dances.
5: He will march and
0: twirl. He choreographs these elaborate dances, and then once a week has us all sit down in the living room so he can do a performance. He's written a schedule and posted it on the kitchen wall. And every Sunday at 7 p.m., he will do an official performance that really is so joyful.
5: And we all sit down, even his sister, as reluctant as she is.
0: (laughs)
6: Yep.
5: (laughs) The look on his face when he sees us enjoying his dancing lets us know that he feels heard.
4: Hey there, this is Kirsten Sear from episodes 112
3: and 113. Those episodes were about Kirsten's dad's alcoholism and her realization that she struggled with alcohol too. Kirsten is one of my closest friends. I've known her since college. And she's the person who first said the phrase longest, shortest time to me. And that's how I got the name for this show. Kirsten was also in episode 21 talking about her son, Jack, who was a preemie. Jack is 14 now, a freshman in high school. Kirsten is a child therapist, and when Jack was in middle school, she'd encourage him to tell her what was on his mind, what was worrying him. A lot of times, it happened in the car, on the way to or from school.
4: Early on in those conversations, I felt like I always had to have something to say and have it be fucking brilliant and have him feel like completely understood and like I was, you know, I was throwing sage wisdom at him. And it never worked. (laughs) It always fell flat. I was always interrupting his flow and just kind of not getting it right. Um, One of the last car conversations that we had uh, his eighth grade year, I just sat there and I desperately had to pee. um, And I just sat there and waited And shut the fuck up, which is so hard to do as a parent, and listened. And as I listened, what I heard was that he felt different, that he felt alone, that he felt isolated in his experience. And about two hours later, I said, it is so normal for you to feel that way that that is the way so many young people around him are feeling and that that's how I felt it's how I still feel as an adult that adults also feel awkward and different and like they don't fit in and that he was not alone and that was it and he got really quiet and I looked over at him made eye contact which in car conversations you rarely do and he said, wow, I needed to hear that.
9: Hi, Hillary. It's Kate Bowman Johnston. Adele was an infant when we talked about sleep issues in episode 11, and she was four when we talked about bragging to your mom friends in episode 31. Now she's nine. She's always been pretty stubborn about certain things. And the more that I push, the more she resists. So a time when I felt like I really got this was when she started losing baby teeth. She had a lot of anxiety about it, and her teeth would pretty much dangle in her mouth for weeks. It was terrible, and it was so gross. Uh, But the more that I cajoled her to pull them out, the more she would dig in her heels. So one day, she had this tooth that was particularly on the edge, and Adele and I were like literally crying and that's when my neighbor stepped in and she saw what was happening and she said, if you want to take a break, I got this. So I watched as Leah coached my child through this intense moment of anxiety.
2: The back of it is really loose. Yeah. So
7: if, I think if you do this, we go side to side. Oh, it's almost there. Totally there.
9: I was capturing the whole thing on my phone.
7: I can see it. It's like totally there, Adele. Try this.
1: Take this. I'm going to fold it up a little. And take this and go like rock it back and forth. And I bet it's going to come right out. Here, it oh, It's right going to come out! Yay!
9: <laughs> <laughs> so what you can't see in that recording is just the immense like pride and relief on Adele's face. And I still... Actually, get really choked up and joyful listening to it because I felt like it was one of those crystal clear moments of understanding that Adele is always going to have times where her dad and I need to take a back seat and like get out of her way. Where, you know, we as her parents can be present as a support, but we're not actually the ones pushing her to do this hard thing.
0: Hey everybody, this is Rob Hubel, and I was on an episode where I talked about our daughter who was born three months premature. She was a 26-weeker, and so she spent 117 days in the NICU. And I think I cried most of that episode talking about that. And so I'm not going to cry this time because I'm recording this on my phone, and I'll just edit that out. <laughs> um I wanted to say, first of all, she's doing great. She's three years old. She's in preschool. She's a real monster in a great way and um, super healthy and doing awesome. She is right now obsessed with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and also with Frida Kahlo. And she's also very, very shy. And there's nothing wrong with being shy, but we have tried to encourage her to engage with her friends and say hello when she sees her friends that she knows. And it's been kind of tough because she is so shy, but um, we were traveling recently and we got on a plane and there was a flight attendant on the plane who happened to have very, I guess I should say bushy eyebrows And you know where this is going Of course Every time she walked by Our daughter was yelling Hi Frida, hi Frida Kahlo Frida Kahlo And you know we tried to sort of Tamp that down but she would not Let it go She kept saying hi Frida, hi Frida And the poor woman I don't know if she knew what was happening (laughs) It was a long flight Uh, But I was very proud that our daughter was finally trying to connect with one of her friends, Frida Kahlo.
3: Guys, I have listened to this recording from Rob so many times. And every time I hear him say, you know where this is going, I laugh out loud. Because I'm like, oh my God, yes, I do see where this is going. All the clues are leading to only one place. And even though I know where it's going that cringy punchline still gets me. Thank you so much to everyone who sent us these recordings, including the ones we didn't have time to use here. We're so grateful for every submission we've gotten over the last nine years, and we're honored that you've trusted us with some of the most intimate stories of your lives. When we come back, more cheesy gratitude. But for now, this.
4: Would you rather... Fall into a bottomless pit, or fall into a pit that's not bottomless, but it's impossible to go out.
3: We are back with the wrap up portion of this wrap up show. And first, I want to remind you, this may be our last episode, but our archives will live on at LongestShortestTime.com. You'll find all 219 of our shows there, plus articles and a whole lot of resources for parents. And Longest Shortest also lives on in our book, Weird Parenting Wins. It includes all kinds of amazing and strange child-rearing strategies from you, our listeners. This book makes a great holiday gift or baby shower gift— And right now, you can get a 20% discount on a signed copy by yours truly at podswag.com slash longshort. Just use the code SOLONGLST. That's S-O-L-O-N-G-L-S-T. You can also get that discount on any merch in our shop, including totes, temporary tattoos, and onesies. Speaking of onesies, when I started The Longest Shortest Time, my kid was a baby, just 10 months old. I knew some things about her, that she only napped for about 20 minutes at a time, that she seemed determined to sit up, crawl, and walk as soon as possible, and I knew that she was a talker. Nine years later, Sasha still hates sleeping, but now I know it's because she thinks of life as a big party and she feels like she's missing out when she closes her eyes. She is still always trying to outdo herself in physical feats, and she even runs a ninja warrior competition on the playground. And she is definitely still a talker, one with a pretty strong moral compass. She'll tell anyone who asks why she became a vegetarian at age four. All you have to do, she says, is look at the meat on your plate and tell yourself you're about to put a dead animal in your mouth. But back in 2010, I never could have predicted any of this. I'm an introvert who loves a good steak. I also never could have predicted that this show would last this long. For the first three years, I made it mostly by myself as a labor of love. Only a handful of people were getting paid a living wage to make podcasts, and it was hard to imagine being one of them. But thanks to you and your support through Kickstarter, I was able to get the show picked up by WNYC and then by Stitcher. And from then on, I was able to have colleagues. And I want to tell you about some of the people who helped transform the show into what it sounds like today. And into one of the first self sustaining podcasts. The bulk of daily production on this show is actually made by just two people the host and the producer. That means the producer is carrying a ton of weight, and I'm just gonna name them all in the order that they worked here. First was Joanna Solitaroff, then Abigail Keel, Kristen Clark, and Jackie Sajiko, who works here now. These women brought so much passion and creativity to the table, and they reported some of your favorite episodes. And they also did all kinds of not-safe-for-work searches for me while they were at work. Like, what kind of sex toys are good for childbirth injuries? And is online porn causing an epidemic of impotence? I am so happy I could create a job where answers to questions like these are necessary. Thanks also to Elizabeth Nakano for filling in for Jackie while she was on maternity leave and to Jackie's baby, Doris, who offers many cooing sounds during video calls. <coughs> baby coos are the best, you guys. They should be a part of everyone's workday. Okay, let's talk about Andrea Solenzi, shall we? Andrea bravely stepped in and hosted this show for almost two years with skill and grace and humor and kept The Longest Shortest Time's voice going strong. I'm such a fan of all the work she did here, and her sperm series is a really special achievement. Check it out, starting with episode 208. I cannot wait to hear what Andrea does next. Now, everything you've heard me or Andrea say on this show has gone through a filter, That filter being our editors. Alex Bloomberg edited me for a while. Amy Drozdovska and Abigail Keel edited Andrea this year. But most of our episodes were edited by Peter Clowney. Peter and I have been working together for almost two decades now, and he is constantly saving me from myself. Or as he'd probably prefer for me to say, helping me to sound like my best self. A few years ago, Peter also helped me to figure out how to change our production model so that most of the time I wasn't working nights and weekends, which was a total life changer. For many years, we also got editorial advice from Antonia Acatunde, Amory Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. If you like the way our show sounds, like technically, that's thanks to our engineers. Some key people have been Jim Briggs, Bill Moss, Jared O'Connell, Casey Holford, and Andrea Kristen's daughter. Pete Karam takes our mixes and makes them seamless. John DeLore was the brilliant mind behind those little stingers we drop around the ads with the giggling kids. John was also the one who was like, you need some custom music. He hooked us up with HotMoms.gov, led by the talented Allison Layton Brown. I love this music so much. Whenever I score the credits, I always find myself like dancing in my seat. Our original theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Katie Barcelona, Teddy Blanks, and Duck Brigade made our logos and website. Justin Korn is our web developer. He fulfilled every request I had on how to make it easier for you guys to send us your ideas and contributions. This show wouldn't exist without support from our sponsors or the people who sell our advertising. Eric Dean and Chris Bannon are the top execs at Stitcher. But as far as I'm concerned, they might as well come to work in cheerleading outfits, because that is what they've been to me for more than five years. These guys first brought me in at WMYC, and then after they left and went to Midroll, which became Stitcher, they invited me to join them, making this the first journalistic property in the network. But no matter where we've worked, Eric and Chris have always encouraged me to push boundaries and try new things. Finally, I've got to thank the loves of my life, Jonathan and Sasha. Johnny, you didn't have to spend your Saturday nights editing me in the early days before this show was official, but you did, and you are the best. I am so happy to be raising a kid with you. And kid, you are my favorite kid. What more can I say?
4: You should say, all right, that's our show! And play um the longest, shortest time theme song.
3: Right, good idea.
4: This is the last time you will be hearing from me. I mean, maybe not.
3: Goodbye forever. We really don't have to make it sound so final. Bye bye. That's more like it. Lots of people have been asking me what I'm going to do next. The truth is, I don't know. But I'm thinking it might be a project about middle school. I actually made a survey where you can tell me about your own middle school experiences or about your observations of middle schoolers if you work with them or parent them. You can find that at our website, longestshortesttime.com in a post called Middle School Survey. There's also a spot on the homepage where you can sign up to be notified when I launch whatever my next thing is. And I guess that's it. So long, farewell. You're the best audience a girl could dream of. This has truly been The Longest Shortest Time.
4: Remember, you will never see us in the rest of your life. Goodbye.
3: No, 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 no.
2: No. No, no. No. What about that is no? Da, da,
8: da, da, da. Stitcher. I say it. Okay. Da, da.